Welcome to Elevate Podcast, the fastest way to elevate your life. Brought to you by elevatebooks.com. Hello and welcome to another one of our Elevate Podcast. My name is Benjamin J. Harvey, the Difference Maker Mentor. And once again, we have the pleasure of interviewing an international best-selling author from the Elevate series. Now, if you want to find out more about them or any of the other authors in the Elevate series, be sure to check out elevatebooks.com forward slash authors, where you'll actually find a bunch of additional information and plenty of highly valuable and free, that's free resources you can download immediately to further assist you in elevating all areas of your life. So today we're speaking with Rani Kudal. Now, for those of you who have not met Rani before, she actually became interested in people and their mental and emotional struggles at a very early age. And she actually noticed people close to her were suffering from crippling anxiety and depression. She realized that there wasn't much education about that in schools. And it was before the days of Google and information being readily available on the net. So it was very difficult for people to find solutions to these things. Now, Rani graduated from a London university studying science and computing and began her career working in banks in the city of London. She started to notice how people were incredibly stressed and how different people coped in different ways. Now, she became fascinated by that with the internal and external factors that actually affected people who were merely struggling week to week and using weekends to actually regroup themselves and others who appeared to be thriving and she became absolutely hooked And what was the difference between those people and how could she start to create change? Now, over the years, Rani began to study life coaching, NLP, hypnosis, kinesiology, clean language, past life regression, and various other therapies and modalities and started working with clients immediately. She started seeing improvements in people's lives, improvements in the way they cope with the strategies, improvements in the quality of what was going on. And Rani was fully motivated to continue doing this work 20 years on. She feels extremely blessed to have worked with hundreds of people from a variety of walks of life, and she continues learning and feels that she will never, ever stop learning from her clients. So could you please join me in welcoming today Rani. Hello, Rani. Hi, Ben. Thank you for the introduction. It's a pleasure. How are you? I'm great. And yourself? I'm doing very well. I'm excited for our interview today. And I think our listeners are going to get, they're in for a real treat. But look, <laughs> what I know is this. I know there's quite a lot of people out there that maybe they haven't got a copy of your international best-selling book yet, or maybe they haven't actually met you before. So I think the starting point might be, why are you so passionate about mindset? Okay, well, that's a great place to start. Um, you know, I was deeply unconscious about any mental health struggles until I was around 20 years old. And I had a car accident and overnight um, I became acutely claustrophobic and also um, started having panic attacks. And like a lot of people, you know, I didn't do anything about it. I just worked around it and a little bit sensational. The next day I fainted in the tube in London and they had to, um, you know, carry me out on a stretcher in an ambulance right. to, to Victoria Hospital. It was actually quite awful because I couldn't regain consciousness for long enough. And uh, the years that followed meant that I had to work around these issues by avoiding scenarios that made me feel panicky or claustrophobic. And uh, a lot of people, I realized afterwards, um, do that. They don't actually get the help that, that is available. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what happened for me was that I actually got a great big lesson in the form of a boyfriend. And he was this, you know, the universal mirror that I needed at that time. But he, um, he was this amazing golden boy that was an executive in a company. He was really well supported. Everyone wanted him to succeed. I'd never really seen anything like it. And he was almost like this chosen one. And he was doing really well and succeeding in life. And, you know, over the next few months, we fell in love and we became really close. He's such a kind-hearted, good person. I really felt that, you know, he was a special guy. Um, One night, he woke up completely startled, sweaty, and, like, seriously freaked me out completely. And he just said, "Um, the demons are back. And I really didn't know what that meant. I was very inexperienced. I hadn't heard language like that before. And it was pretty terrifying. Mm. Yeah. So um, the weeks, months, and years that followed, um, I walked alongside him as he pursued the answer. You know, what was going on? What's happening in my head? Um, What's wrong with me? How can I be fixed? And so he, he went to every type of therapist, you know, from hypnosis, hypnotherapist, psychologist, psychiatrist. He was medicated. He went to woo-woo therapists and everything. <laughs> you know, the diagnosis changed from, oh, are you sure you're not a closet homosexual to, you know, you're schizophrenic and only to be disproved the next week. Oh, you're definitely not that. And it was just like this really long winding road for him. And it was heartbreaking to walk alongside him in this journey. Mm. But yeah, over the years... He inspired me to start to learn about the mind and to learn, you know, what we could do to help ourselves. And um, he continues to be my inspiration even today. Um, he's he's happily married. He seems more up than down nowadays. And I think that he and I have both come to the same conclusion, which is that, you know, there really isn't one guru or magic wand that's going to give you the answer that you've got to take responsibility for your own health and your mental health. And, um, you know, it's, it's part of life's journey and to take that ownership. So that's where like... I, sorry, <laughs> that's where I became inspired. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like quite a journey to go on. Hmm. Uh, and you definitely turned that, I guess, perceived adversity into uh, that that fuel that drives you today to go out there and continue to help people. So, I mean, when you're working with clients, for example, is, is there any type of advice that you are continuously giving them? So if people at home are probably listening and saying, oh, you know, my life's not running the way it's meant to be running. Hmm. So what advice do you continually give your clients? One of the things that I tend to say often is stop reinforcing the story. So if there's something that you don't want, stop saying it. Like I had a friend who would continuously say, I'm broke, you know, oh, I never have any money. And lo and behold, that person was continuously broke. But a more extreme example of that might be, I had a client some years ago on her first session. She sat down and she said, every single boyfriend I've ever had has given me an STD. And then she continued to tell the details of the story by sort of rolling her eyes, laughing, leaning back. It was almost as if she was holding a glass of wine and I could just imagine she had told this story a hundred times to her friends. Mm. And I and I said to her, are you ready to let this go? She said, yes. I said, well, first step is to stop 
telling the story. Stop reinforcing it because it becomes a part of someone's identity. She really got it. She impressed me. She was a super smart lady. You know, within four short sessions, she had made that decision. And that's the first thing, which is that she did definitely want to let it go. We talked about where she wanted to get to and why. Um, and that was really strong for her. So her purpose was really strong. And then we just sort of flew through the rest of the steps. And it was a, a wonderful and rewarding experience for, for me as well. But, you know, she will always stick in my mind as somebody who just really applied these principles and created the life that she wanted. And years later, she still sends me photos and of her happy life. So, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that I continuously remind people is to stop telling the story if you don't want it in your life anymore. Mm. And when she stopped telling the story, did she start telling a new one? What was the process after that? Well, the process is a bit longer-winded, but what we worked on for her was what she wanted to create. But as soon as oh, the penny nice. dropped, yeah, the penny dropped that by telling this story, retelling this story, and let's just call her Claire, Claire had reinforced this story with her friends. So she got to, she was, you know, known as Claire, the one with the STD. And her friends were not recommending mm. their male friends for her. So, yeah, um, yeah. You, know, just, you know, as soon as that, you could almost see her eyes just sort of popped with, <laughs> with the dollar signs like you see in, in cartoons. Ah, yeah. that's the way forward. So, yeah, she was nice. uh, an amazing woman, yeah. So uh, with that, I, I know you work a lot with your clients about getting their mindset right and, and having a positive style mindset. So what, what was your first lesson that you ever got where having a positive mindset was actually a useful thing in life? I mean, I discovered it completely by accident. Um, as a child, unfortunately, like a lot of people, uh, my home life was quite troubled. There was a lot of yelling, banging, um, screaming. And I used to go and lock myself in, in my bedroom. <clears throat> One of the things I did was just sort of daydream and visualize. I didn't know that that's what it was called at the time. It was just a kind of an escapism. Mm -hmm. And um, I could be lost in there for hours until, you know, my dad might come out and say, right, it's time for you to study or, you know, let's move along with the day. And um, the freaky thing that um, turned out was that my life, in its quite small detail, is really similar to what that scared 12-year-old started visualizing in that bedroom in London, you know, all those years ago. So I understood it was really powerful. And then as I studied, I was like, oh, that's what I was doing. <laughs> so um, I use it quite often with my clients um, to really powerfully perform prepare them for challenging meetings or situations, sometimes dates, sometimes interviews. Um, you know, there was a, a lovely young man I was working with who um, had just qualified. He just finished his bar exams and had some interviews with some law firms, and he was extremely nervous. And this was the first part of his um, career. And we rehearsed every part of the interview up until the point that he was shaking his hand and even, you know, being made an offer and he did extremely well I believe he got 100% offers so it's an extremely powerful tool mm, absolutely so what what is your strategy or the methodology that you recommend to people because the people that are sitting at home right now they're like alright I want to get my life on track I want to stop telling my story I want to start getting my mindset working I want to 
utilize this power of visualization and imagining. So what sort of methodology do you recommend? Well, I can recommend a lot of things people can do on their own. Um, and they certainly can do the first few steps. But after that, you may need to go and see a coach. But the things that I do with my clients initially is rather than thinking about, you know, is this going to be an NLP session? Have they booked in for a hypnosis session or kinesiology? Am I going to do this, that and the other? Rather than focusing on shining as a coach, I put all of that aside and I just stay completely present. When someone comes, I mean, this has happened so often and you probably be aware of this then, Half the time, people think they want something, but it's actually related to a completely different area of their life. So, you know, you, by staying present, you actually allow for them to to talk and just be heard. From there, there's a fir- first few things that I do. The first thing I check is just to make sure that they have the foundations. So are they eating well? Are they giving their body good nutrients? Are they sleeping eight hours a day? Um, You know, do they drink enough water? Are they moving their body? And, you know, that may seem really fundamental, but I had a client who was existing on two liters of Coke Zero and coffee and thought that water was only for showering. So, you know, he, he was obviously really disturbed at night and not really functioning to his optimum level. And, you know, a lot of my clients who have suffered in the past with anxiety and depression say that exercise helps them a lot, and even with productivity. So um, that's the very first foundational thing I'll check. After that, I'll, um, you know, go through the fit mind principles that I have in my, um, the mindset chapter that I've written. And that's a free download off my website as well, which is com. Basically, it's like, Increasing your window of tolerance, which means that you're practicing mindfulness, breathing mm-hmm. properly, you know, doing all the self-care so that eventually you become more resilient and you're not so quick to physically react in fight, flight, freeze or, you know, shutting down and disengaging. So that's how I guess I increase people's ability to feel safe in their body. So that's that's the second step. And then I would um, get into the crux of it. So I meet people where they're at, you know, what's going on for you today and where would you like to go to? And that's um, quite easy usually for people to identify. But then the more important thing is why. Why do you want it? If you can get the real answer there, you'll find that you can implant a real fire in your client's belly because then... When they're distracted, they don't want to get up in the morning or they've got, you know, it's like a video game, the little sort of invaders coming left, right, and they've just completely focused and they can, you know, completely fight all the distractions away and and go ahead really fast toward their goals. So when I say, have you made the decision, are you committed? Sometimes I actually send people away. If I feel that they're not, Um, I actually ask them to go away and think about it. And I I think a lot of coaches don't have the confidence to do that. I think it's important for me to, um, you know, explain that once I've done that and people do come back, they're just a thousand percent there and there's just no struggle. Like they just go and people do come back. Um, After that, we talk about the three things that are on my, my website logo, which is, now I have to remember, (laughs) 
Um, confidence, courage, courage, and commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Confidence, courage, and commitment. So the confidence is actually initially giving people the tools and resources that they need. Some of that could be internal resources like self-esteem, self self-love, and that type of thing, um, or external skills things that they may need to go and learn or we can learn together or things that I, I might be able to teach them. And the reason that we um, reinforce their resources first is because the next step is courage. And so courage is the stage where we work out all the fears that are holding them back and clear out all the barriers which is, they've tried in the past and haven't worked out. Mm-hmm. After that is the commitment. The commitment is to themselves and also to me to make sure that they're going to follow through with this process. And, of course, coaching works really well because you're accountable to people. But, you know, you're also there to strategize with them, to give them another perspective. You know, for example, I had a client in New York who wanted to make a go of his photography business, and he'd had a son, and he just thought that photographing children was the most beautiful thing in the world. However, he couldn't understand why he wasn't getting any more clients. <clears throat> I then looked on his uh, website, and he used to be a Victoria's Secrets photographer. <laughs> so he had all these lingerie photos on the same website as he was posting children's photos. So it's just um, giving, giving them that perspective that that may not fit well with some parents. And uh, <clears throat> he decided to separate his sites, but eventually took down the lingerie one because he wanted to focus on the you know, photography. Uh, the children photography business so sometimes it's just about getting another opinion from an outsider yeah and the most perspective yeah exactly um and then finally i feel it's really important to celebrate and to appreciate everything that you have in life because i work with a lot of people who get close to their goal and they say next what's next and a lot of people are like that especially high achievers and i feel that it's really important to take that moment to reflect. Mm-hmm. And when you think about taking a moment to reflect, I mean, what can the listeners do? How do you suggest they do that? What's the process around reflection that they could do? Well, first of all, I'd say that you don't need all the answers today. Mm-hmm. If you've just achieved something massive, give yourself a moment to, you know, be grateful to yourself. Be grateful for all the people around you that and things that you have and have supported you to get there. For me, I celebrate with a glass of champagne, <laughs> but other people may have a different uh, different strategy. Um, but I do think it's really important to, to take that moment and acknowledge yourself. Otherwise, you're continuously on that sort of rat race. You know, you're on that treadmill where you're, you're just going for what's next, and it's really exhausting. Mm. So I guess in summary, you're saying that people need to make a decision and then with the help of a coach or potentially on their own, they can remove their obstacles. Mm-hmm. Then together you like to formulate some kind of strategy with them and then you employ that strategy and then mm-hmm. you just check in with them regularly and make sure that you hold them accountable so they stay on track. Is that kind of the process behind it all? Definitely. And one of the other things that I do is I teach my clients how to do it for themselves. Personally, I find it quite boring working with the same person on the same type of problem over and over again. So people that have worked with me for a period of time, I teach them the tools. And even straight away, you know, this is how you can do this for you next time and how it's translatable in different areas of your life. 
I'm very mm-hmm. much into empowering people to stand up for themselves and to learn for themselves. Got it. I love it. So, I mean, have there ever been challenges for you since you've been learning and teaching these empowerment principles? Oh, yes, of course. I think that if you come across a coach that pretends they're a super coach and has never had any issues, I think that, you you know, personally, I wouldn't trust them. <laughs> um, by me being honest with my clients, I think they actually appreciate that I'm human and I've definitely had challenges. I mean... <clears throat> I certainly have certain tools where I can bring myself back to balance much faster. And um, I found, I guess, in reflection, the times that I've really lost my way is when I'm not living true to my values and not being congruent. And, you know, for me, I'm a persister personality. So um, I like principles and good character and doing the right thing. (laughs) And um, I feel for myself that when I'm living true to my good character, that I'm suffering less. And I love this um, quote that my my dad gave me. He um, He's a wonderful man. He's studied every religion and he's, he's such a spiritual person. <clears throat> I've really learned a lot from him. Excuse me. He says that there is only one heaven and we all go there, our true home for our spirit. There is no hell as it's told. We create our hell here and live in it willingly. So our pain and suffering is caused by ourselves with our thoughts, words and actions. And he says, rest assured that safe, you know, we all safely return to our true home. But whatever your beliefs, for me, what that means is that if we know we're doing things that are not right, we're going to suffer. Mm. And, you know, we're not going to feel good inside. Yeah, I love it. What a great quote. Yeah, Very I love my dad. <laughs> so, so tell me, what are some of the things that you're passionate about? Oh, I'm passionate about a lot of things. And when you get me started on that, I will talk for hours. But I guess <clears throat> my current focuses are, um, well, they're all kind of interrelated. Um, the first is, I guess, a spiritual practice and a lot of the work that I do with my clients around forgiveness. Um, the second is related to my, you know, chapter in the mindset book, in the Elevate Mindset book, which is around, I guess, helping people stand up for themselves. And the third is my new book, uh, which I'm writing called DRX. So I'll just go through the first. The forgiveness part for me has been important because there's this promise that at the end of the rainbow is this pot of gold. And, you know, when you get to the other side of forgiveness, suddenly you're free of all this, you know, shame, guilt, fear, like shackled down by all these heavy emotions. And, you know, I guess intellectually, it seems like a good thing to do. And so um, it's something that I, I guess has been a lifelong, lifelong learning for me. Um, I won't necessarily go into the tools because there's like many thousands of different ways and you you studied, you know, shamanic practices and NLP and so you know that you can make them, you can even make them up as you're going along, you know, they, they will work. But the things I guess that have helped me along this journey and, and what I talk to my clients about are three things um, around forgiveness. The first is um, a lady called Dr. Edith. Edgar, 
she uh, was in the in the gas chambers in the Holocaust and uh, a survivor. She saw atrocities that, you know, hopefully a lot of people couldn't even imagine. But she, um, there was a video of her and she said, I do not have the godly power within me to forgive those people for what they've done. However, I understood that if I wasn't going to come to some terms or come to some kind of acceptance with this, that that area of my life will be blocked. And I wanted lightness. So when I when I heard that, for me, it sounded like, you know, some things are just too big to forgive. And there certainly has been things in my life personally that I've experienced that I think are just too big for me to just forgive. And, uh, you know, certainly some of the things that my clients have told me, you know, horrific trauma. So this is a kind of a halfway point or, you know, a place where you can come to terms and accept that these things have happened and you don't necessarily have to do, you know, the big thing of forgiving, but you could sort of move along. So that was the, the first thing that's helped me and has definitely helped my clients. The second, yeah, the second thing is, uh, I, I always talk about this, I think she's just amazing, but the lady who wrote um, Calling in the One, I don't know if you've read that book by um, Catherine Woodward Thomas. No, she's I haven't. Just, yeah, she's quite amazing. She used to be a minister, but she doesn't, she's not doing that now, but she still continues in her love and faith for God and, you know, it's a continual evolution, but she, um, she she wrote in her book that as part of her spiritual practice every year, she used to go to an ashram for three days and sit in complete silence. And she would get the answers that she needed, the release, the knowledge, the whatever. She she always found that it worked really well. And one year, her partner of five years, as in romantic partner and business partner, dumped her and also told her that he was taking the business. So took her money and, you know, basically dumped her as well. So she was pretty upset, let's say, and um, she went to her ashram as she would normally go. She was sitting there and after the third day, it just didn't work. And she she called out to the sky in frustration. She's like, this isn't working. I'm so angry. I'm so hurt. I just can't let it go. And then she got the message back. We are trying to repay you what he owes you. We understand you've been wronged, but we're trying to give you that and more. But your hands are tied in this hurt, resentment, hate for him. So you can't catch the blessings that we're trying to give you. And it just made complete sense. When I read it, it made complete sense to me. And for her, she did. She released that tie to him and she received abundance beyond her wildest dreams, which is well documented anyone who you know does a little google on her knows that she got everything that she wanted in life and more so Mm. um yeah so that's a really great i guess it is a way to intellectualize it but also sort of just spiritually know it that you know if you're too busy hating someone (laughs) you can't you can't get the good stuff back yeah nice hmm. and the final part of that is the forgiveness thing is um letting go of the coconut 
And um, I've heard many variations of this, but I think this is quite concise. In this uh, particular island, they have a lot of naughty monkeys up the tree. And what they do to catch these monkeys is they dig a hole in the floor and they drop a coconut in there. And um, the monkey comes down, grabs the coconut, but then his hand becomes too big to, to get out. So he gets caught. Now, the only thing he needs to do to survive or to, to escape is basically let go of the coconut, but he won't, right? So the parallel to our lives is that sometimes we won't let go of the coconut because we feel that we've invested so much in this relationship or in this small business or, you know, in, in a place where we should actually leave. And it served its purpose, but a lot of people won't, won't let go of that coconut. And it's really dangerous because it can create a lot of shame and guilt and fear if you want to try in that area again. So. Mm. So you've got to just be able to let go of that in order to move forward. Yeah. Now, I and think then, there's uh, some people out there that are, are curious about, and I'm just mindful of time here. I'm, I'm, there are people out there that are curious about, I mean, what's the ultimate purpose of your work? Well, mainly it's my daughter. Um, I just want to be the best example for her. I had to navigate a lot of challenges in my life myself. Um, my parents were brought up in India and I was brought up in England and then I moved to America and Australia. So there's a whole bunch of different challenges and cultural issues. And I know that I'm really blessed by talking to so many hundreds of people over the years that I can understand there are common challenges. And I guess in in one way, I would like to help her to navigate these challenges, the common ones, so she can, you know, create some new challenges for herself. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever happens with our children as parents, your best intentions could be there, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to, um, you know, have that great bonded relationship or they're going to take your advice. But, you know, my intention is to be a really good example for her and just to do the best that I can. And she really strongly motivates me to do that every day. Yeah, beautiful. For, for the listeners out there who want to take control of their life right now, they're listening in, they understand now about forgiveness, they've got to drop the coconut, they've got to get on with their life, tell a good story, tell a new story, stop telling the old one. What are some other tips that you might be able to give them that they can practically put into action like straight away? Look, I'd say the big tip is find something or someone to love and the reason that I've come to that conclusion is you know recently one of my clients came to me and said what's the point and she'd been faced with her own mortality she was in despair she's like what is the point and I said to her you've got to consider that there is no point and maybe there is no point and through that sort of hazed look I explained to her that whatever answers you seek are going to be different to the next person. We all have our unique fingerprint of feelings, thoughts, words, you know, actions. So whatever answer might be right for somebody else is not going to be your answer. And there might not be the right, you know, one person that's going to give you it. There's not going to be some guru, Baba, who might have all the wisdom in the world and suddenly, you know, all of your questions are, are done. But what I do know really intensely is that when I work with people and I work with their why most generally it's because of someone they love greatly and I also know that when people die 
and you know in the months and moments that lead up to their death the things that they remember and they appreciate and talk about most is the love that they had so why I say find someone to love is you know it doesn't have to be a spouse or a child you know for some people that doesn't work out but um it could be a pet it could be a parent a family member or you know it could be something that you're passionate about like this work for me is I'm some, it's something that I love greatly and I love seeing people stand up for themselves and help themselves but you know if somebody loves you back or you you are able to receive love back then you're just at a bonus really you're just mm. lucky yeah Nice. Are there, any, are there any final words you'd like to leave our listeners with? Anything else you'd like to share with them before we wrap up our uh, call today? Look, um, I'd say just keep going. If there's something that you're struggling with, there are so many amazing people out there. They will, you know, do what they can. Their whole intention is to help alleviate your suffering. Take ownership. Do everything it takes and, you know, never give up. Just keep going. Life is good. Beautiful. I love it. Well, I'm sure our listeners have taken a bucket load of notes and got a huge amount of value out of it. For those of you who would like to find out more about Rani, you can actually go to ranicoaching.com, R-A-N-I coaching.com, and there you'll find a raft of resources and some incredible free downloads available as well and some processes that she takes you through. So um, definitely have a look at ranicoaching.com. And I just want to thank you, Rani, once again for being here on the show with us today sharing your wisdom thank you so much thank you ben i appreciate it now if you'd like to find out more about rani or any of the other authors you can always go to elevatebooks.com forward slash authors that's elevatebooks.com forward slash authors we've got to find out a whole bunch more about uh not just rani but all the other authors we have in this podcast and always remember giving yourself permission to do what you love is the key to elevating all areas of your life until we meet again share your light live your love and do whatever it takes to be your own best friend bye for now thanks for listening to elevate podcast the fastest way to elevate your life for more information visit www.elevatebooks.com